Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for Same Race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. It's time to cast off on a new adventure. This is Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood for BF Goodrich Tyres. Escape with BF Goodrich Tyres and Thirsty Camel and Great Northern, the perfect outdoor companions. Hello and welcome to Real Adventures for BF Goodrich Tyres. What are you building for? And for Thirsty Camel and Great Northern, the perfect outdoor companions. The queen of Instagram as always. And one of Victoria's most prominent anglers, Aaron Hapgood, joins me. Good morning, Redman. Good morning, Patrick. How are you? Going really well. That's good. Um, I'm going to get. I'm going to get straight into this, All right? Because I didn't put it on the round down sheet because of obvious reasons. Um, you've had five of my rods for six months. <laughs> I'm just wondering when I'm going to get them back. I'm worried that. Do you know how they <laughs> Is say? Is this true? Is this true? How long have you had them for? Not longer than that. We went. <laughs> We went way longer than that, actually. We went chasing tuna, yeah, half a year ago. Um, longer. We took. We decided to take my rods this time, so yep. we had a um, couple of fifties, couple of finnors. Yep, and um, and they haven't left your company since. No, and they've got a couple more scratches on them because I catch fish on them. I'm wondering when I'll get them back. It's not happening, given the fact. As soon as you, given the fact, there's still tuna down there. As soon as you ring me and say, Pat, I have... I'm going fishing, <laughs> then I'll lend them back to you. Until then, I'm just going to be like. There's no point in sitting in your shed doing nothing. I may as well test them out. I thought you were going to say... Which we share, which yours is mine. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, as soon as you ring me and say, I want my rods back, you'll give them back to me. No, you can ask as many times as you want. Until you have a purpose for them, then we'll do a little trade back. Um, Redmond, <laughs> uh, the Daily River in the NT. Yep. It's the lowest um, catch record uh, catch rates on record. Is this a serious concern Um for, for NT fishers, but for NT tourism, obviously it's a huge part around um, around the the you know the northern part of Australia's fishery. Darwin, thousands of anglers every year head up there in chase of barramundi. The Daly River is a huge part of that. Um, what does it mean? Because obviously, uh, you know, you make your living off whiting and um, and snapper in Port Phillip Bay. It's a crucial part of um, what you do for work. Barramundi catch rates. Do we need to look at um, you know the the catch and release rates? Do we do we ban fish over a certain length, mm. um, which does happen? Well, but where do you see this falling? To? Well, they reckon the main cause of this they're saying is to do with a very poor wet season. Yeah, and uh, this is um, they're saying that the least amount of well, the less water that's coming in the less barramundi they're going to come in with it. Yep. So that's going to cause all sort of effects and from right through from the breeding, right through to people actually catching them and also... Um, so there's a failure to, to breed yeah. when there's so little water flow, basically. It's just a continual chain, basically. And you've got to remember, though, if there's no water flow that's pushing into these river, into the river, then there's not going to be the food source either. So there's not going to be a purpose fish, for a yep. fish to come in to actually feed in there. Um, I'm not sure. Do you know, the, do the fish go up there to spawn? Is that a is it what they head up there for? Well, the, what... Well, like you know, when it comes to the bait fish that flying around. Oh, that reason as well, yeah. yeah, yeah. But do you know if the fish go in there to spawn specifically, like like a snapper in Port Phillip Bay? Uh, no, I don't. No. no. Yeah, I'm trying to work that out now. So I, I think the more flow that you get, obviously, that, that that will generate. Well, they reckon that the numbers are low, the lowest they've seen them, but they're 
they're sure that the populations will bounce back, but it's definitely going to affect the economy around the whole the whole area, whether it's your tackle store, your fuel, also just um, anyone selling your local pilchards or even your bread roll at the bakery. So how long it's going to affect them, that's a very, very good question, but it's not it's not a good thing to see, though, is it? No, it isn't. Redmond, we are we're not far away from school holidays. In fact, they're upon us now. Yes. Um, one of the things that is easiest to target for families is squid fishing. Um, they're great to eat. They're relatively easy to catch. And you're going to talk us through this morning around chasing them on jetties if you haven't fished before. Um, the sort of gear that you need to tackle them because they're not a they're not a species of I'll say fish. Yep. They're not something that when you're you're going fishing you need to spend thousands of dollars no. or or hundreds of dollars on gear. You can get a combo for well under $100 and, and buy yourself a decent squid jig and get great squid and you can have the the, uh, the kids enjoy their school holidays. Well, it's the perfect time of the year. Right now is, is when the squid um, come into uh, Port Phillip Bay, which we'll talk about now, and they tend to drop their eggs. So what they're going to do is they're going to come in, lay their eggs, and these are the spawning squid. And I'm going to first, like you said, top on some land-based stuff. A um, couple of the, the facilities you can use is the Portsea Pier. Now, that's a great one. You'll get very big calamari on there this time of the year. So what do we need to look for? So we're yep. going out on the pier for the first yep. time. Are we casting into the dark patches of water? Are we trying well, to find sand? Is it a balance between the two of them? The first thing that you want to look for when you approach a pier, and I know this sounds pretty dumb and simple, but it is the it is the truth, is um, ink. If you can see ink on a pier... You can know that they're catching squid there, whether you head to the Rye Pier or wherever it is. So a good pier, though, for to catch squid will have often some sort of ground, whether it's a reefy ground or it's a uh, weedy ground. Whatever it is, it's going to be around that pier. Squid will travel on the sand to feed as well. So a place like um, a very good place this time of year to target big squid is the Queenscliff Pier. Uh, that's uh, next to the Pilot Pier, in, be- in between the Queenscliff Harbour and the Pilot Pier. That there is, I actually call it squid pier. The reason for that is you can have hundreds of anglers along there and sometimes, um, well, not sometimes, quite often this time of the year, you go on there, especially at night time. That tends to be when you get them in the shallow water there. A bit of sand around. You do have nice weed there, but it's a bit more sand. Those big squid will come in and you're going to target them. And the rods you can use, you can get away with. And fundamentally, whether it's Glenelg Jetty in South Australia. Yep, any jetty. You're fishing out of Perth, you look for these things. You look for the squid on the, uh, the ink on the... Uh, the jetty and yep. piers themselves, and then you try and find that patch of ground. Yeah, exactly right. And another, before I go into the rod, a very good place um, down south of Port Phillip Bay, you've also got the Queenscliff Harbour, very safe place to take kids in. Bit of a drop to the water, but not as big as a pier where there's tide, so it's quite secure in there. Um, you've also got the Clifton Springs Jetty. Now, I don't know if you know this, but they do fisheries ex- ex- extended the pier uh, a few months back. Um, and now, the squid on there overnight, people are catching hundreds of squid on this pier. And they are just going to keep extending the pier. I don't know if it's 25 or 50 metres the next one, but it's around that. And this that's going out further and further into the grass beds itself off Clifton Springs. So that's another great pier. Mornington as well off the rocks, extremely good. But the rocks are probably a little bit more on the dangerous side for kids, especially when you've got facilities that fisheries are put into place, like the Clifton Springs Jetty is a great place. Now, you want a rod you can cast with. Um, you can go get a, um, we'll start with... Uh, and a bit of length, is it short? Um, so you can make it as technical as you want. Now, like you said before, you want to keep it cheap. You can go into the eggy rods I've got, and a lot of technology goes into eggy rods, and you can spend upwards of $800 on a proper eggy rod. Now, what they do is an, a squid rod, and um, I use a samurai a samurai eggy, and they are a quite a long rod. And what they do 
is they taper through the whole rods. Where often rods will taper through the end of the rod pat, where these actually bend through the whole rod. So you don't actually pull the tentacles off the squid jig. You don't pull the squid jig out of the tentacles as much. Where your cheaper rods, you've got to be a bit mindful and a bit softer with your hand on the rod and actually do... That's where the eggy rods come into play. But you can get a rod anywhere from that... I'm I'm going to say... Oh, well, what have you got in front of you? You've got a little graphite rod there around that 80 buck mark on. Uh, the Daiwa D-Shock spinning combo, 6'6", six 2-4 six, to four kilo. It's a two-piece, and it's a that's a that's a combo. That's $70. Yeah. So that there is $70 combo. Now, that there is a cheap rod and reel, and you can make it as expensive, expensive as you want. But one thing I would recommend, Pat, is I know it's a little bit harder to use, but to get a nice big cast out is braid. Fill that reel full of a nice braid, 10 pound, because if you get it on a bit of reef, but that there is the simple way to go find squid this school holidays. Yeah, um, the other option, um, if you're a Shimano fan, the Shimano Quickfire, six foot, it's a 4,000 rod, so it's slightly heavier, so you can probably well, catch snapper with that. A, um, Atomic just bought out an awesome squid rod too, and I, I don't know if it's to the market, it's just about to come out as well. And that is a high quality rod, and they're about, I think they're about 120 bucks, and that's a very good class of rod too. So from whether you want to spend 60 bucks, 120 bucks, 300 bucks, or right through to $800, there's so many opportunities on the market. Just spend what you need. Let's stay on that yep. um, when it comes to buying rods specifically for um, a target species because Shimano have just released their Squidgies rod range um, and they're around the $160 mark and they talk about them being specifically designed for soft plastic um, luring enthusiasts. So these are literally designed to cast plastics yep um are you is does that sort of thing interest you are you more looking for an all-rounder obviously you can use these um these rods to um fish for you know you can bait fish with them and those sorts of things but how specific are you when you're choosing your gear um do you like to be and uh, yeah that's a very good question um i think one of the components that that rod has is um the fuji guides uh fuji guides uh, You're talking the eyes, the actual yeah. eyes on a yep. rod itself. Yep. Um, it, there's there's um, so many different ranges of eyes out there, and Fuji's the number one component. Um, so that there makes a difference when you cast. So that's how your line's going to flow through the rod itself, and that's where you're going to get the benefit of a what you call a, technically a casting rod or a squidgy rod. So you're big on that when it comes to um, if you are going to cast. Yep. Getting those components right. Very good eyes on a rod. It makes a big difference. It does. And also, what you're going to find with this rod is it's going to be slightly more on the stiffer side of things, so you can cast. You can cast quite a long way. And um, when you're casting distance uh, to work your plastic, if you've got a strong wind and you're drifting into your, if you're drifting, doing a drift into your, your plastic, you can get it away and you can have it longer in the water than getting a shorter casting, then all of a sudden it's gone past you. If you're drifting, um, say, for example, the Clifton Springs area on the spoil ground and you're trying to work your plastic and you want to get a good casting, distance, that's when distance comes into play. So you've got your actual line in the water as long as you, as long, as long as possibly you can, because that's where you're going to catch the fish. You don't want to be casting 30 meters and all of a sudden it's back under the boat. If you can get a nice big cast with the wind and then work it back towards you with a nice firm rod so you can... You don't have a firm rod. You need a, you need a plastics rod, like yep. it, for example, and you want to have that tip that works um, in your favour rather than... You want, it to, you want it to move the soft plastic rather than have it bent, the rod bend and you don't get the technique out of the design of the plastic. 
Redmond, um, we love sort of keeping an eye on the industry and, and where things are heading, heading whether it be four-wheel driving or, or boating. One of the interesting things that has come across the Real Adventures desk during the week is the talk around the X-Class Mercedes-Benz Ute potentially being phased out through lack of sales. Yeah. Now, there were questions. Um, there was a, a few electronic uh, EV vehicles released during the week um, from Mercedes, and they didn't go into detail around whether they, they would potentially phase the... Um, the X-Class out. It's a beautiful vehicle, perhaps missing the mark given the fact that it was derived from the Navara and then came in at an expensive mark. Um, do you think it's got a place in the Australian marketplace as a gung-ho off-roader, as a vehicle to tow your boat to head off-road, think- or does it miss the Australian mark in terms of what we want out of Utes? Because Aussies love it. We love our Utes. Yeah, but for me, though, the first thing that comes to my mind is Mercedes. I don't know if it does with you too, but having a Mercedes to tow a car, I tow a boat, sorry. I don't know. For some reason, it just seems like, for me, if I look at a Mercedes, they're a beautiful car to get around town in. They're a nice car. I don't look at them as a ute. And and I actually seen these up in Melbourne the other week, and I went and checked them out. And I was amazed. I didn't even know they existed. So yeah. No, I didn't even know they existed at the time. So for yeah. me, I got there. I'm like, oh, geez, these things, look. they actually looked awesome. They looked great. Beautiful. They got power. They got everything. But my first initial thought is Mercedes all running costs, expensive, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. Just, I don't know. I've, everyone I spoke to got Mercedes, tow, tow you. And then I'm like, yeah. And every, and like even Gibber and that, I said to a couple of mates of mine, they're like, oh, really? Like in Mercedes? I'm like, I don't know. I think it's just in your own head. You naturally don't. I don't know about you, but did you... Do you think that along that line? Well, when I saw it come out, I, I knew it was based off the Navara, which has been around for yeah. for ages, got a great reputation yeah. within the industry, but they don't, like a Navara isn't going to cost you mid-60s to, to get into, no. whereas this will. So uh, an interesting place, uh, a space for our market. Just before we get into the show, really, um, your week in fishing? Oh, well, I'm just going to do an early gaff. My week in fishing was a pretty, I'll have a pretty good week this week, but one thing I'm going to mention is I had a, one really bad day and i only got a few seconds to say it. I went out fishing for snapper off the Port Phillip Bay heads. And I went to first a 50-meter mark, anchored up. And then sure enough, we had the bait team for about 15 minutes approaching a tide. And you got to remember, 50 meters of water. A seal comes along. And I'm thinking, oh, crap, they're going to steal our fish. Well, don't worry about the fish. Every single bait I put to the bottom, Pat, bottom, not up the top, every bait that hit the bottom, that seal would go down, rip the bait off, rip the next one off, and come up with four lines in its mouth. Never got hooked once and ripped them off. I moved three times. Three times. The first one, sorry, the first one was two seals. The next mark was one seal. Then I went, right, I'm going into my in-close, my, my favorite mark. Gibbsy was with me. All he wanted was a big gummy. I went to 12 meters of water down off Bells Beach there. Four seals, and that's, I'm not exaggerating, every bait I put in the water, the seals were ripping off, and we left the lines out because I was, wanted to fish the tide. I left the lines out for close to 30 minutes. They disappear, or we thought they disappeared. Who knows where they went? As soon as we put one single bait on, sure enough, that bait was gone, and... I'm not going to say what I wanted to do to those seals, but they weren't very f- friendly to me that day. <laughs> this is Real Adventures for BF Goodrich Tyres. What are you building for? And for Thirsty Camel and Great Northern, the perfect outdoor companions. You're listening to Real Adventures for BF Goodrich Tyres. Escape with BF Goodrich Tyres and Thirsty Camel and Great Northern, the perfect outdoor companions.
Now it's time for the Social Club. Thanks to BF Goodrich Tyres, what are you building for? Bill Harris, Redmond. Yes. What size squid jigs will I need for this up-and-coming squid season around the Queenscliff area? And can I add to that, mm-hmm. um, can you talk about the importance of um, how they sit in the water because of the size of the lead? Yeah, of course you can. Okay, sorry. <laughs> um, Do it now, please. What size squid jig? So that's a very good question. Now, uh, fishing around the Queenscliff area, and I'm actually, if you stick around for the review, I'm going to go into it with a bit more detail on how to get your jig down. I cut you off a bit earlier. You sorry, did cut I was off getting earlier. excited about it. That's all right. Rods. Don't go anywhere because I seriously will cover it all. Like I said before, we have the squid eggs being laid in Queenscliff as we speak. I've already found a couple of patches, a um, few squid on it too, up to sort of the three and a half kilos, some seriously big ones, big as you get them. Now, the jig you're going to use is depends where you're fishing and how you're fishing. Uh, for example, if you're fishing on the grass beds at Queenscliff, um, timing your tides is ext- actually, if you're fishing squid in general, not just the grass beds, timing your tide is going to determine a lot of what squid jig size you're going to use. But it's also going to determine the sinker you're going to use to assist that. And that's not actually on the squid jig. And this that'll come up in the review. But anywhere from the 3 to 3.5 size, you want to have your jig down deep. Now, if you're on the kelp beds in 10 metres of water and you've got the incoming tide the last hour, you're not going to be running a um, you're not going to be running a, th- a size three jig or even a three point five because you won't get down to the to the depth you the need depth, to yeah. be. So I actually assist that by dropping it down on a size four sinker and having a nice dropper coming off that uh, squid jig. Now I'm not you know me Patrick I'm not into the all the old fancy using a size four jig with a slow fall rate and all these sort of things. I don't. This is effective. This works really, really well and catches you squid fast on these eggs. I wouldn't use it for any other time of the year, but you've asked for the squid season. That's now. So getting your jig down to the bottom is important. Size 3, 3.5. Stick around for the review because I'll cover it all in a bit more detail. Tom Henderson, how do I sounds for snapper before the sun comes up? My screen is always cluttered. Tommy, good question. Because if you work that out, I'll be real happy because you can't. <laughs> I had a snapper workshop in Hastings last week. Uh, Gwen and I soul guide talk, and we covered um, a lot of stuff, and one of the things was sounding. And probably the most common question we got was that question you've just asked. You can't do it. Um, the reason for this is what you're asking is basically uh, sunrise. Your sun starts to come up. Before that happens, you tend to get there and sound for snapper. Your screen's going to be cluttered. And now what that's from is nutrients in the water come out at night. Everything comes out of the sand at night. Bioluminescence. Everything in the water, sea lice. It all comes out. And that's what causes the interference on your screen. And you just can't sound. Yep. What you want to do here, Tom, is you want to do your research. And this is a bit hard. And I'm going to give you two answers here. The first thing you're going to do is have either sounded previously in the last few days or spoke to someone, and you know roughly where fish are. Whether it's on a dump or the mud, you know roughly where fish are. For the, but just before the sun comes up, while your screen's messy, just go anchor where those fish were. That's your best chance. Right. Yep. Once the sun comes up, and you can, as soon as you get clarity on your screen, and if you haven't got a fish by the time the sun pokes his head, you're probably not going to get fish there anyway, because that's the best time you're going to catch them. If you haven't got one, pull the anchor up, and go sound around where you want to find because then you'll be able to see and anchor before that morning tide change or before the sun gets fully up. Your second option is my favorite option. If you haven't done any research and you just want to go out for a snapper fish but you can't sound early morning, just go somewhere with a structure. Fisheries have numerous artificial reefs all around the Port Phillip Bay. There are numerous dumps out there, cars, trolleys, tires, you name it. They're all through Port Phillip Bay. 
goldfish out of South Australia, you can literally, and this is what I did when I was there, you just type into Google, whether it be the Glenelg Tire Reef, there's reefs <laughs> everywhere spotted right throughout well, there. And most of them are listed now. Well, if I go onto my Navionics here right now, I can go, if you anyone can do this, you go onto your Navionics and it, will, it, it comes up with actual pre-marks on there um, that all around the bay, I'm just looking at it now, you can see all these little dots here, all of them. And if I'm just going over them now, it says John Snapper Dump. And it just gives you all these wrecks that um, that um, are there that you can go just test out fish. And that's the best way because it's better than going to anchor on the Port Phillip Bay's mud because the bay is mud. Yeah, Fish have no purpose or reason to be on that mud where at least if you don't know where they are and you go to some sort of structure, you've got a chance the fish are going to be holding there more than just randomly plonking on mud in Port Phillip Bay when it's everywhere. Hope that sort of sums it up for you. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Real Adventures Show, as well as Twitter and Instagram to join in the conversation. This is Real Adventures for BF Goodrich Tyres. What are you building for? And for Thirsty Camel and Great Northern, the perfect outdoor companions. On Real Adventures, it's time to get all aboard for Dometic Mobile Living Made Easy. It's time for All Aboard, thanks to Dometic Mobile Living Made Easy. Whether you're on the road or out at sea, Dometic has you covered. Our special guest this morning is Michelle Emma from WERF, or Women in Recreational Fishing Network. Good morning, Michelle. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us. And I had the privilege to, uh, I was emceeing an event down in Geelong Marine World a couple of weeks ago, and uh, Michelle uh, joined me with a couple of other ambassadors for women in recreational fishing up on stage. Basically, she was carrying you. She was carrying me, yeah. Carrying the show. The, the, the whole <laughs> four of them up there were carrying me. I just stood back and actually had a nice cut and draft sitting there, so I was, I was all right there, Patrick. But uh, anyway, Michelle, we um, were discussing basically women in recreational fishing, but before we get into that, uh, we want to hear a little bit about uh, your fishing background and just do you love the outdoors. I know that you're a surf instructor, so take us through it where it all started and anything outdoors. Yeah, certainly. So... Um I'm what you call an activities girl or a tomboy, so um, I guess the outdoors has um, yeah, always been a love of mine and adventure from a um, very early age. Um, always headed you know, outdoors um, to the surf. And, you know, yeah, just my pop um, gave me my first fishing rod and a little tackle box and we'd head off um, up to Lake Ties and uh, camp out at Lake's entrance and fish on the jetties up there and yeah I guess I was I was hooked from there as, as far as the fishing and um, yeah continued on through the teens and um, hide those little yellow pennies that you could get out at um, Frankston, Canada Creek and moved my way out there and did a bit of a flatty bash um, yeah so and then I became a surfing instructor when I was 19 and still to this day I'm at my 17th year of um, surf teaching, which I'm currently at Waitai Bay today, all suited up, ready to take um, 25 kids out um, into 50k wings and 8 foot swell. <laughs> Good luck with that one. As long as you don't lose it. Yeah. <laughs> She's just oh, about to go, don't say that. Too soon, Pat. Too soon. Yeah. Actually, oh, actually, I have it. The fishery is actually quite healthy out the back there. There's, you know, you bag out whiting and plenty of squid and um, yeah, I've seen a few grey fellas out there too. 
It can, it can be stressful, Aaron, taking kids out on surfboards. My cousin actually was a surf instructor and he, he had a kayak trip and he forgot to put the bungs in 20-odd oh kayaks and they all sank off lawn. <laughs> so it is a very stressful environment <laughs> dealing with kids. Is the last name Dangerfield on that cousin? Yeah, yeah. Do I know yeah. which one? It's yeah, Sam, it's Sam, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I can't yeah. wait to speak to him about that. Anyway. <laughs> Michelle, um, you're obviously a keen surfer. Now, it's a tough question, but what would you prefer, your best days fishing or perfect swell, um, which, judging by some of your social media photos, you've been in plenty. Um, What is it, great catches, or would you prefer to get out on the water and surf? Do you know what? They they each gave me the same feeling. So, and I guess it is, like, you know, it is perfect conditions for surfing, it's perfect conditions for fishing as well. Um, But I can use the advantage of... um, surfing at a slack tide and then jumping out of a boat and catching a wave. So <laughs> You could so, also take yeah. the old paddleboard out and stand up on the paddleboard and catch a few squid in the shallows. It's not, not bad. Pat, exactly. Can, can <laughs> so I, I have been wanting to do a bit of surf casting and maybe um, paddle my lure out and then paddle back in, catch a wave and then possibly <laughs> catch a shark in the <laughs> <laughs> um, Now take us through a little bit of uh, your, your actual... Uh, prize catches. I uh, heard a couple the other night, but you've done Pat. You'll like this one because Pat likes his casting because he's like a little kid Dude. on a boat. I just give him either an iPad or a fishing rod and he starts casting. So uh, you were fortunate enough to catch a few good fish last summer uh, around your, your home ground too. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so very close to home, and um, yeah, so I was able to catch a twenty-two or two on top of um, so that's, yeah, definitely one of my favourites now is top water fishing. Um, and, yeah, it was really good, really great fish. Um, I was, yeah, happy with that. I'm hooked for life. Well, women in um, fishing is something that uh, I spoke about it with you the other night, how important it is to not only just women in fishing itself, but also the target one million. And uh, you are an ambassador uh, for the Women in Recreational Fishing, the network is also known as WIRF, W-I-R-F. And um, yourself and four others, you teamed up with Chloe Malloy from the Collingwood Football Club, am I right? Yes, yep. Yeah, so you're running mm-hmm. a, a program, or you could call it a program, and a social media page as well. Um, so I'll let you talk a bit more about it, so where the social media page is, how people can access, what this is all about. Um, you take us through it and uh, basically fill us in. Yeah, okay. So basically Vic Fisheries have um, funded this program and, and got it going, obviously, back on the, um, or it's linked to the Target 1 million drive to increase participation um, to get 1 million Victorians fishing by 2020. So currently we have around 836,000 um, wreck fishers that fish at least once um, per year. So um, the idea of the group is to try and encourage more women um, and also um, kids to um, start fishing. And we have, since um, starting last year, so this is our second year involved with the WORF Network, um, we have 1,500 members on our Facebook page. So since the last after um, this year, we have had 150 new members join our group. Um, and it is a private group um, for women. So it's basically... 
um, to promote the benefits of fishing as a healthy and possible outdoor activity for the family, to provide the space for females to discuss, share and engage with other females and ask questions. Um, also a place to address barriers and offer solutions to encourage more women to go fishing and promote um, positive images out there in uh, women wreck fishing. Not all of us have that done in Bikini Bod and we don't fish in our bikinis. So it's kind of <laughs> nice to um, be able to promote you know, a healthier image out there, especially with teenage girls um, you know, in social media and things like that. But you know, we can all just go out there and um, enjoy time on the water. It's great for mental health. Um, and it's women helping women, and um, yeah, it's been so positive. Um, the ladies are sharing, you know, all their um, their best catch, and or even just the tiniest of fish. They're just, you know, explaining about their day, and um, yeah, it's been fantastic to um, see it grow as well. And um, yeah, and I think it's a it's a huge market miss in the fishing industry as well, as far as business. And um, yeah, I'm excited to see where it goes. Um, it's definitely has been and um, and it probably still slightly is a male dominated sport or activity it, it has been 100% um, but the only um, with, with this I'm not I'm not usually for um, male and female separate groups I like everyone to be involved together now I've sussed this out yeah, and spoke sure. to the girls I think this is actually a really good platform you because make it comfortable for everyone. it makes it very comfortable because it's like I said male dominated and social media is such a um, a bad place at times where males can show themselves the authority over the girls with different things so for these girls to have their, their space to do it to show yep, and it's all going to be positive comments it's all going to be directed into it how do we find it Michelle and how do we get involved again yeah so basically um, it's as I said it's a, it's a Facebook group so you search up um, women in recreational fishing and then um, basically you'll, you'll join and then you get asked a couple of questions just so we know that you are who you are and um, you can enter the group so you're not, you know, the male trying to sneak in. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so that's basically it. Is that, and we're also um, going to be spreading ourselves around um, a few of the events. So the girls over the weekend were up at the Ballarat Fishing Festival um, and they had the, the worst table there and as Alan said, we were at um, the Geelong Marine World event as well and we had our little stall set up and we had, you know, lots of people engaging and interested or a few men would come up and say, actually, my wife would like to get into fishing, just don't know how to. Um, so, yeah, we will be spread around a few events and you're able to come along. And by all means, like, if you want to be part of the work network and volunteer yourself out to, to help out and shout out for other females and get involved in fishing clubs, then, yeah, that's what we're all there for as well. This, this show is heard all around the nation and um, the good thing with this page is basically it's not just specifically uh, Victorian based either. Uh, like the girls, um, I know Michelle headed to AFTA up in Gold Coast. They took up there, the women in recreational fishing up there and stood proud Fashion in their the green shirts. They stood out. It was great. So if you are anywhere <laughs> in the... If you are... <laughs> I'll try to pump you up, but no. But if you are anywhere <laughs> in the country and you do want to get involved with fishing and you are a, uh, you are a female, search this group up. You don't have to be from Victoria. Search it up. Uh, the girls will accept you into the group. Go catch some fish and uh, post a few photos and have a bit of a brag on social media. Michelle, yeah, thank definitely. you so much. Michelle, thank you so much for joining us on Real Adventure this, this morning, talking about your passion for fishing in the outdoors, but also just how important women in recreational fishing is. Thanks, Michelle. Thank you very much for your time.
Now it's time for Red's review for Thirsty Camel and Great Northern, the perfect outdoor companions. For store locations, visit thirstycamel.com.au or give Redman a call because you seem to know where just about every one of them is. <laughs> this week, Redman, we're talking the Dometic we Vacuum Sealer. Now this is a we're going to talk squid in a minute, but you're going to talk we're going to review, review yep. the upcoming season. Um, but when it comes to keeping your food fresh for longer, um, it's claimed it lasts five times longer, which is obviously going to keep it far more fresh. Um, it's portable. The vacuum sealing component means there's no air pockets that are captured inside of it, so it does keep it fresher. Um, and for well under a hundred bucks, it's a it's a great option. It's lightweight. Low profile, so you can actually you can store it in your boat if you want to, if you've got the um the the twelve volt yep. DC or the two forty AC, which um it can be powered by both, which means you can literally store it in your side console and then bring it out when um when applicable. Um, you use it often. You yeah. find it really beneficial. You use it for bait as well, much as anything. I used to use it for bait. I'm a bit lazy now, Pat. Yeah. <laughs> But it is great. Um, what I use it for is obviously the fish that I give you guys and um, anyone that wants fish around my family and friends. I load them up with uh, anything. It's always been cryvac. It just lasts, like you said before, a lot longer. But if you do fish and you do um, get your calamari tubes, if you cryvac it and you don't fish as much as me but you want to stock up on bait, it will it'll save the squid from changing color. Now, what I mean by this, what happens with calamari because we're about to talk about squid, so I thought it would be relevant, Patrick. Calamari will tend to go that pinky purple color um, in the freezer after a period of time. And it doesn't take that long for it to start to change that color um, in a normal bag. Well, you can cryvac it um, with the vacuum vacuum sealer from Dometic, and it will last. I've got one of these, and I've used it, like I said, a little bit lazy at the moment, but it does make that bit difference. Locks in the flavor, the color, the nutrition, eliminates uh, freezer burn, which is obviously... Yep, massive. You know, Huge, and you'd, we'd far prefer to, um, you know, to steer clear of that. And the other thing it does, it maximizes miles, is the fridge space. And for my wife, everything doesn't go no, smell. It what, doesn't stink. What you just said was the uh, the one that I get in trouble for the most is um, I've a fair bit of fish at home, especially at certain times when the whiting are biting. But the space in the freezer, my God, it it, it, it that's what I'm in trouble for all the time. If I, if I just bag stuff up, Kari loses it. So. Yeah, it does make a difference. Dometic Vacuum Sealer. For more information, visit Dometic.com. Redmond. Yes. You interrupted me before. Is upon us. Um, what we need to target big squid this season, GPS, Navionics, bait, sinkers, the whole works. I'm going to cover the lot for you right now. Now, this squid season, Now the reason I say this squid season, I said it earlier in the show, but if you've just joined in, it they come in, the Port Phillip Bay heads, and they drop their eggs. Now, what I mean by eggs, I think it's the white one. What is it? Cauliflower's the white... Bro- or broccoli. Cauliflower's the white one? Cauliflower. <laughs> I was just playing off. I got, that's a little joke there. I got <laughs> cauliflower. It looks like cauliflower on the ground. What's not a joke is you don't eat any vegetables. I do. On. I'd like my vegetables and my salads. Um... They come into Port Phillip Bay and you can look in the shallows around the Queenscliff area. Technically, it's the Queenscliff area up to Sorrento. Now, what I mean technically is that's just where they do it, um, where they tend to drop them um, regularly. First thing I'm going to recommend is a good pair of sunnies. The reason for this is it makes the difference. Not only can you see the eggs on the bottom... You're talking about the, the reef structure into the sand. You can see... Exactly. You can yeah. see where the reef, meeting the sand. But not only that as well, Pat... 
you can see the squid. Yeah. If you and I've been out with you numerous times. You you haven't had sunnies on, and I've put these on. And you can see what I'm seeing. You're like, oh, it's a whole other day. So a good pair of polarized sunnies. I wear my tonic eyewear. I love it, and, and they work really well for me. Um, another good thing to recommend you to use is a GPS or. A lot of people have phones these days. Navionics. If you don't have a decent GPS in your boat, most people will. Navionics on your phone. 20 bucks. You can download the app. Now, the reason for this is if you're in Queenscliff in the kelp beds and fishing that eight meters, or even if the water is a bit dirtier and you can't see the bottom where the eggs are, and these squid hang on the eggs. So if you drift off them, you won't catch any squid. Well, you might get the odd one, but you won't catch what you could potentially catch if you're on top of them. Now, the GPS, what what the reason we're going to use this is as soon as you catch a squid, you're going to hit mark on the GPS. Then you're going to go back and you're going to hit mark again and work out roughly where these eggs are without even being able to see them. And you can work out pretty much and time your drift over it so you can um, so you can basically get your bag of squid, which is yep. 10 per person. Um, something I also recommend is leaving your tracks on. Don't just go out there without tracks. The reason for this is leaving your tracks on on your GPS will show you your drift lines, whether you're tidal or wind efficient. So you so, can repeat the pattern if you're successful. Exactly or? right. Yep. So if, say, for example, you and I are fishing the end of the flood tide. We get there an hour before the tide um, is about to finish. We've got no wind or we'll say a light easterly wind. We're drifting in with the tide. The tide's more dominant than what the uh, wind is. As that tide slows down, you'll start to notice that your angles will change and you'll actually change your drift line. You won't know this if you don't have your tracks on. You will if you if you fish a fair bit, but a lot of the time you won't. So having your tracks on will guide you. Anything from a widening rod to three to eight pound. Now, the reason that I'm talking a little bit heavier is to do with the sinker weights you're going to have on. And what I mean by that is I'll run sinkers in that deep water up to four ounces on a loop. So it's a widening rig and the squid jig's on the end of it. Yep. Nice heavy sinker, and that's to get to the bottom because that's where the squid live. You've got to remember, you're drifting in onwards of four-plus knot of tide in Queenscliff. Your jig won't get to the bottom, and that's where I spoke about in the questions earlier, using a uh, sinkers to get down. And that varies on your sinker size to how fast you're moving. You just want it to have a nice angle that you can have a nice angle going down where you're not too high or you're not too deep. Your next... The, yep. Just quickly, the, the size of the braid does... Obviously, the lighter the better. You don't want something that's actually affecting the, um, you know, the squid jig and how it sits in the water. Like you're not going to use a, a game rod or a kingfish yep. rod. Good question. Where, yeah. you, where you don't have to if you can use that lighter yeah. whiting rod. Something that um, you'll go down to Queenscliff and all the locals will still have their hand lines with their mono on it. Um, it does work, but braid cuts through the line at uh, the water. 10 times better, and I believe that you have a direct contact. People will say, "Oh, braid floats when you squid jigging." It, it doesn't if you have a four-ounce sinker on it or if you have a nice squid jig on the end of it. I've caught plenty of squid up to, to what I think my biggest was last year, 64-centimeter tube or 66-centimeter tube. That's a big squid, Pat. So braid works really well there. And like I said, 10 to 15-pound braid. Don't go too light because it is quite reefy around the Queenscliff area. If you have your eight-pound or even your six-pound, you are probably going to struggle. Um, the areas you're going to fish is the grass beds of Queenscliff right through to Cottage by the Sea to the rock wall to the kelp beds all through there are areas you're going to see you catch fish. If you want any more information, there's plenty of videos up on Salt Guy, Pat. So you can check them out all on saltguide.com.au. We cover it all. You can see us doing it and go yourself, catch yourself some giant squid, as I'll call them, Pat. That was Red's Review. This is Real Adventures for BF Goodridge Tyres. What are you building for? And for Thirsty Camel and Great Northern, the perfect outdoor companions. 
You're listening to Real Adventures for BF Goodrich Tyres. Escape with BF Goodrich Tyres and Thirsty Camel and Great Northern, the perfect outdoor companions. You're listening to Real Adventures for BF Goodrich Tyres. Escape with BF Goodrich Tyres and Thirsty Camel and Great Northern, the perfect outdoor companions. Time for Red's tip for New Age Caravans. New Age Caravans spring into summer sale now on. Visit your local dealership for more details. Redmond. You watch a bit of the Kim Kardashians? No, my wife used to. I have no interest in it. It's the biggest. I've got no interest, and I wouldn't even know what which one she looked like. But if someone did, you just brought it up. Yeah, because if someone had cameras on us, I reckon we could make nearly as much money as them off air. Well, you you think you're pretty funny? No, I just think that people would laugh at us. Well, for those wondering, we were debating um, cardboard straws. And you think they're a waste. Oh, they're the worst things ever invented. And I'm, I'm referring to you as like Alan Jones when Aaron, Alan <laughs> Jones got on Sky News and was talking about Australia as a piece of um, rice and just lost everyone, you imbecile. If, you, if anyone thinks that cardboard straws is seriously, go to the movies, you get a cardboard straw and you can't drink a large Pepsi Max because your fourth straw is degraded in, on your tongue, send a message in to agree with yeah. me. If not... You know, Carl, haven't you seen the videos of cardboard straws being stuck up turtles' noses? You you are an environmentalist. I blame you the still- turtle for not being that intelligent to know it's a cardboard straw. Your tip for the weekend, you're a dick. So if you're a turtle, don't eat cardboard straw. That's my tip. <laughs> uh, tip this week, reading weather sites properly. And I won't lie to you, Pat. This is actually a very frustrating topic for me, myself. Well, people just go on to the... They go on to bomb weather or what it is. Yep. All right, um... There is 14 knots of wind. Okay. No, no, we'll just give it a go. They don't look at anything no. else. There's no swell component. No. Direction of the wind. I'm going to, while I'm sitting here um, for yourself, um, I'm going to type, I'm, I'm hopefully heading down to the tuna, um, and I'm going to look at a Absolutely. place called yep. Cape Nelson. Now, the reason that I'm looking, so what the, what I'm arguing is people got on website, oh, Willy Weather was so wrong today. I typed in Portland, and the weather said it was going to be 10 knots, but it was nearly 20. You typed in Portland. Portland is on land. I could pretty much guarantee you on land, it probably was 10 knots. Look at a place that you're actually fishing. Especially when you're going like, to drive Ks and Ks in the boat. Exactly right. Now, I'm looking at this one right in front of me now, and it says Cape Nelson. It's sitting at here. Uh, you've got 17 to 20 knots here, Pat, for um, the Monday. If I go down here... And you type in Portland just itself, the town, and this is the reason that I'm going to do this, is because the difference is dramatic. And if it doesn't work right now, I'm going to make a real big fool of myself. <laughs> but look at that. It was saying up to close to 20 knots before. Now it's saying here it's only 13 knots. Yep. So that's five knots of difference. You're not fishing in Portland. And look where this was taken. It's at Portland Harbour. Or sometimes, a lot of time, it's at the airport. Yep. So when you are going fishing somewhere, work out a cape. There are usually capes or a reading, some sort of weather reading station available. For Port Phillip Bay, if you're coming to fish my neck of the woods down at Queenscliff, search South Channel Pyolite. That's a station on the water. You're going to get your most accurate reading. Don't search Queenscliff itself because you're going to get the land weather. Another good one to use is your map charts. Now, a good app to use, a great app to use, is Windy. It's just called Windy. And I've got the app right in front of me here. And basically, it tells you where all your fronts are coming in colors. You can see the direction. You can see the, the direction. You can see everything. You can zoom in anywhere around the world. 
Another good one is your bomb Your bomb does the same thing as well. It shows you the colors and your approaching fronts. So if you're at home and you keep searching the same thing, for example, something that's not actually on the water or where you're fishing and searching a town, which a lot of the time they might be giving you the local airport, which is the local weather station, it's probably going to be the wrong weather source that you need to look at and I won't be as frustrated next time if you all do it right. <laughs> that was Red's tip for New Age Caravans. Spring into summer sale, now on. That's a very good uh, tip. It's Not bad. Good. I'm actually quite Thanks. impressed. Thanks, Patrick. Now, there's a bit to get through for the gaff, so there's a few gaffs to go through. Um, you sent me a, uh, a link during the week, just how the Indonesian authorities are dealing with uh, illegal fishing. Oh, you got my text message, did you? Yeah, just didn't uh, respond. Yeah, um, stock stand. Do you think this is something that we should uh, we should introduce in Australia? Because they're blowing boats well, up ex- over there. <laughs> explain, explain to it. I reckon it should happen if anyone anchors they're on They're blowing me. them up. <laughs> if someone anchors on me in Port Phillip Bay. Well, we've seen fisheries. They've posted a few videos. You know, they've got the crusher destroying a boat. No, no, no. That's not interesting enough. How many, I think it says the number how many they've blown up. What is it? Indonesian fisheries are blowing them up. I'm assuming with dynamite of some description. Um there you go. That's it there. They're doing it in the water as well. I don't yeah, know how. It says it's, you know, it's like 170 boats or something. Yep, 170 <laughs> uh, vessels from several nations have been discovered operating illegally. Um, so they're just blowing them up. And they're, I think they just leave them to obviously sink in the water. Now, I don't know environmentally if this is a great thing because it's just they're just dropping down to well, the come, come to the our ocean. couple of new fishing wrecks, Pat. Um, but Indo is home to 60% of the world's um, reef-building corals. So that's an integral yeah. part of the ecosystem. So we obviously want to maintain the health. Well, there. that's what they say. They reckon that the reason they're doing it is because the people are coming in, taking their fish, and also the, the way they're fishing is actually wrecking, like you said, the ecosystem as well. So they've got a... I'm not saying it's the right reason. They've got a reasons for why they're doing it, but blowing them up might be... A, I'm not too sure about that one. Um, the gaff, which could have also been used as a tip, is just if you are interested in, uh, and we saw this on social media Kite during flying. the week, Fremantle Sea Rescue um, had reposted it, um, tying your dinghies to the mast of your yacht, there was a probably, what, a 12 to 13 foot inflatable that would have been 70 to 80 foot in the air attached by a tender rope to a mast. It was hilarious to see. So just for those at home, if you do have your, your dinghy, maybe just sort of attach it to the... You know the the, the stern. You're the, the type. Of, you're the type of bloke to have a dinghy hand off his yacht, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> and finishing off the final gaff of the week, Sharky Pilbara Land Base Shark Fishing. I'm, I'm assuming he didn't release it, but he posted a photo. And, and I'm all for fishing and, and, and keeping catches, but a five meter tiger shark that he caught and killed, and you can't tell me he's eating that, um, and then boasting about it. They are incredible. Beautiful species of shark, tiger sharks. A lot of kill time, a five meter tiger shark. A lot of the time when they're killed, um, a lot of it's for uh, tournament purposes. Biggest shark weighs in. Um, what happens is, as bad as this is, they put a rope on it and they tow it back out twelve nautical miles and they dump it. Yeah, it's just a tiger. So it's, it's not good. Seriously, I can describe each their own. I'm not arguing. I'll describe it with my uh, my pinky finger. <laughs> All right, that is the flying gaff for Thirsty Camel and Great Northern, the perfect outdoor companions. This has been Real Adventures Redmond for BF Goodrich Tires. What are you building for? And for Thirsty Camel and Great Northern, the perfect outdoor companions. You're going fishing. We're going fishing. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91